0: Most people underestimate the power of process. They stick it in the back seat and forget about it until it's too late, but they shouldn't. Processes run the world, literally all of it. Stocked supermarkets, on-time trains, and safely landing planes are all made possible by systems of intricate interlinked processes. They are the secret sauce of every great company, and HR teams are responsible for some of the most important processes of all, onboarding employees, building teams, crafting culture. These vital systems are the lifeblood of every organization. That's why this episode is brought to you by Process Street, the process platform of choice for HR teams around the world. Process Street is a no-code platform that lets you transform your most important HR processes into powerful workflows. Design beautiful employee onboarding experiences with extreme engagement that increase inclusion and reduce turnover. Sync tasks into Slack or Microsoft Teams, automate emails, handoffs, and so much more. Thousands of teams large and small trust Process Street to manage their most important people processes, like Salesforce that used Process Street to onboard all the 3,000 Slack employees after the $27 billion acquisition. You can learn more and sign up for a free account at www.process.st. Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast. The podcast all about the delicate balance between people business, and quite literally reconnecting the two. My name is Tracy Rubin, and I've spent nearly my entire professional career in HR. Join me as I share stories, opinions, and words of advice with you each week. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here for yet another week. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe after you hear from this amazing guest Today, I have Will Peng on the podcast, and I'm so excited for you to hear this episode. Will is the CEO and co-founder of Northstar, which is a financial wellness and benefits platform. Prior to founding Northstar, Will worked in venture capital, and his firm was an early investor in companies like Coinbase, Guideline, Even, and Oscar. Inspired by the positive change fintech can have on people's lives, Will set out to solve the inequality of financial guidance. As a Taiwanese immigrant, Will is passionate about supporting underserved communities to help them achieve financial stability and reach their personal goals. This is one of the things that Will is going to just like shine such an amazing light on. He obviously is super proud of, as he should be, his Taiwanese heritage and being an immigrant. And I think you're just going to love hearing from him um, and his what he's doing. I mean, we haven't really spoken about financial well-being on this podcast. So what he and Northstar are doing is really incredible. So without further ado, here's Will. Welcome, Will, to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me and with the listeners. You are our very first financial guru expert episode, so I'm excited for all the things we're going to talk about today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Welcome. You're always welcome. Well, I already told the listeners that they can expect a lot of amazing discussion today, um, but especially because... There are so many pieces of your story that I think are really inspiring and um and I would love to just really start out first by hearing from you what inspired you to create North Star and what about you know this this topic and and understanding of financial wellness what inspired you to get involved and and lead the lead the charge
1: Sure this is a problem that's really personal to me and when I realized, uh, that my problem was actually quite common. Um, it was really important to me that, uh, we, we solve this problem, uh, and dedicate my career to it. Um, so, uh, I am an immigrant and, uh, I'm one of six kids. I was born in Taiwan and my parents, uh, moved their family to the U S. Uh, when I was quite young for the Asian American dream and. Uh, I was lucky enough to go to a great college, um, but graduated with a ton of student debt. Um, was excited to have my first job out of college, but um, had nobody to turn to, to figure out how best to pay off my student debt, uh, what to do with my retirement plans, a 401k match through work, um, choosing the right health insurance plan. Uh, I had stock options through work. I worked at a startup and uh my parents had no idea what to do. Um, <laughs> uh, I have a lot of admiration for them to, to take the risk and move to the U.S. But um, unlike many people, I, I didn't have anybody to turn to. So I made all the mistakes, learned the hard way. Um, I learned from the University of Google, um, read a lot of articles, and uh, uh, but, still, but still just ended up um, ma- making a ton of mistakes. Um, I uh, en- enrolled in a 30-year payment plan for my student loans, um, wow. which... At the time I was like, this is incredibly cheap. I can afford this. The payments were um, uh, less than hundred dollars a month, um, but I realized that it, it was designed to squeeze as much interest out of me as possible. Um, and it took me three, four years to realize that um, I hadn't made a dent on the principle of my student loans at all, was was making interest payments. Mm-hmm. Uh, I felt really stupid. Um, and not only that, I didn't take advantage of my 401k match through work um, chose the wrong health insurance plan. Um, and and so what I realized was that, um, when people don't have anybody to turn to, a lot of times you just do nothing. But the problem is that when you do nothing, you do something. Um, in my case was doing things that were not in my own best interests. Um, so, uh, and as I've talked to more and more people, I realized that, um, my, uh, particular challenges, uh, are really widespread. Uh, and maybe for different people, it's, being stuck in credit card debt. Um, For other people, maybe they really struggle living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, So uh, this is a problem that everybody has. um, And I think it's really important for us to um, solve for the financial wellness for the 100% rather than the 1%.
0: I love that. And, you know, I, I have to say there are listeners that have reached out to me specifically about tackling their student loan debt. And it really resonates with me. And your story resonated with me because I also graduated with insane amounts of student loan debt. And so many of us graduate with that. And, and I was probably, I, I think it's probably safe to say actually that I was the first person in my family to have student loan debt. And I shared with you on a personal note that I had you know, experienced my own uh, set of humble beginnings, like many, many people, especially immigrants and and other Americans too. And I think one of the things that really drew me into what you're doing and what has impassioned you with this huge, huge endeavor is that you talk about financial well-being from the perspective of, of employee engagement and employee experience. And what I think is really interesting about that is that one it's obvious that so many of us have struggled with student loan debt or you know financial illiteracy and and have had to resort to asking a million questions of someone who's maybe not so educated on financial wellness or you know has has had to graduate from Google University as you put it, and having something that is like a trusted, credible uh resource like North Star, for example. Really makes that so much less of a burdensome task, and so I'd love for you to expand on this concept that financial wellness is less about wellness and less about well-being and more about the employee experience.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, uh, employment and work is the primary source of wealth creation for the majority of people. I mean, we 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 work to make a salary and we receive a retirement plan and so on. Uh, and it's kind of even weird to say that, right? And, yeah. And it's like, I'm a money grubber of some sort, <laughs> but the reality is we all work to make a salary, right? Yeah. And I'll, I'll kind of uh, take a side note there and say that a big part of what we're trying to do is to reduce some of the stigma around talking about personal finances and money as well. Talking about money doesn't make you a money grubber, doesn't make you uh, right. somebody who brags, but rather somebody who's uh, upfront and honest with, uh, your current situation, and by talking about your current situation, hopefully we can help people realize that not everybody's has 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 their their personal finances figured out. Uh, we live in this kind of consumer society that everybody's kind of bragging, right? You, it's a oh, right. flaunt their spending. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but but with with uh, work being the primary driver of wealth creation, especially if you look at the macro trends over the past few decades, the fine benefit pension plans have really disappeared uh in uh, my dad still has a pension uh but um nice. we've yeah we well hopefully he can retire soon um but uh we the the predominant uh, approach now is to find contribution uh plans like 401k plans um where now the decision and responsibility is up to the individual uh to, to do the right thing and i just think that's an unfair expectation not to mention uh health insurance plans that you have, you get through work. Um, the, the theme is that, um, all of this is wrapped around the idea of choice. If you remember the discourse around, um, healthcare reform, um, with the launch of HSAs, for example, with, and and how powerful they can be with triple tax savings to help people save for their own healthcare expenses. Well, yes, that's technically true. This idea of choice, but again, that puts the burden on the individual to know how to use these tools. And the education system and the advice um, industry has not caught up uh, to support um, people with, with all, all these new uh, sets of decisions that they have to make. Um, so if you look at the total rewards or the compensation and benefits you receive through work, um, it's this uh, harrowing set of decisions that um, employees really struggle to, to figure out. And they turn to their employers as well uh, to help them answer these questions. And employers are also, also typically aren't equipped, uh, to, to answer these questions. So from the moment that you receive an offer letter, or maybe you first day on the job, you get these packets, these PDF documents with these tables and these dollars and, uh, these numbers. And, and you're just like, I, I don't, I don't know what to do. So I'll do it tomorrow and then I'll do it next year. Or so, um, it's the problem that I faced, but on an even bigger scale. Um, so. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of why uh, it makes so much sense that uh, financial advice, financial decisions, are so closely tied to the employee experience.
0: Yeah, I love that. There are some things that I thought about as you were sharing that. The first is that this idea of the individual having the you know being equipped with all of the information and expecting them to make the right decision because you know, knowledge is power and they can figure it out. And, you know, we're just giving them the power of choice. And, you know, we're even seeing this with like healthcare marketplaces and things like that, um, where people can make decisions that are to your point, like really fueled by their own, you know, judgment calls and what they need. But it, it, you're right. It doesn't solve the problem where, which is that, how do they know what they need? It's almost like that phrase, you only know what you know. And so, if you don't know that much, you're not really going to maximize the opportunity that you have. And every, if there's anything that I've learned through my own personal finance journey, it's that every day counts and every day matters. And, and the only, I mean, we all can probably agree that we want our future generations, just like your parents wanted you to be more well off than we were and to have a better and maybe even more fulfilled life than, than they've had or than we've had. And that is, I mean, coming back to this point that you made that we are, you know, it's not a money-grubbing thing, but it's actually that we all work to earn a living. And that living, if we can perpetuate it for future generations, that's a wonderful thing. And so how do you take advantage of every single day? And so one of the things that I wanted to point out is that when we, you know, when an employer offers a a candidate a certain salary, let's say $80,000 a year, and that candidate is like, Oh man, I was really hoping for 90,000, but the, the employer offers then equity or other things that are financially relevant to that person. If they don't really know what all of that means, then there's an opportunity for them to actually miss out on some potential negotiations. So what are some things that you would, you know, send as advice to a listener who is maybe starting to figure out this, uh, Total compensation, total rewards process with a new employer, or maybe even an existing employer. How do they navigate that uh, easily and and access the right information?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, it's a really good question because uh, offers and compensation packages are more than just a salary. Uh, oftentimes, and, and if you think about it from the perspective of an employer. Uh, total rewards is one of the biggest spends uh, on the PL. and And uh, mm-hmm. they put a lot of time and energy into thinking about how they can support an employee holistically, um, rather than just giving everybody a raise. Um, and, and so uh, it's important to, to, to look at beyond just the salary, figuring out, okay, what, how much do you actually need from a budgeting perspective um, what, what's the kind of floor or that, that you, that you need in terms of a salary. Um, and then beyond that though, thinking about what are your kind of life goals and your financial plan and your priorities and, and the ways that those benefits will support you. So if you're, uh, a, a recent grad, maybe if, and you have a lot of student loans, maybe the fact that an employer offers a, a student loan matching benefit is really interesting to you because, uh, it can help accelerate, uh, that payoff process. Um, or if you're starting a family or are currently parents, uh, looking for an employer who offers really phenomenal uh, benefits across uh, family support, whether it be um, great uh, parental leave policies or fertility infertility benefits or backup child care benefits, um, these are all things that are uh, can have a, a a massive impact on your finances. Um, if you're looking to, um, adopt or have a child through, through surrogacy, there are some employers out there who actually cover that. Um, and, and if you're familiar with that, these are massive, um, costs. Yeah. Um, so they're not going to give you that big of a raise to go and pay for the adoption process, but, um, that these employers show that they care about, um, supporting employees across all different life stages. So, um, that that's, that's something that uh, you could potentially miss out on if you looked only at the salary. And of course, if you work at a tech company, um, equity is such a big component. Um, Getting smart about what types of equity you're getting, but also asking the right questions from uh, the employer about um, how the business is doing, how the business is performing, um, and then forming your own opinion about what the range of possible outcomes um, could be uh, with, with owning equity in the company. Um, it can be potentially game-changing amounts of money. Obviously, equity is not a a guarantee of, um, it's not cash. Um, So uh, it's important to to think of equity um, as as a range of outcomes as well. So those are just some of the examples of um, how total rewards packages have evolved beyond just uh, the days of my my parents where you you get a salary, um, a pension, and and health insurance policies, um, and, and that's it.
0: Right no that's really insightful and i think you know a lot of the listeners are in hr career paths and i think so often we are we've we feel this pressure that we're tasked with having all of the answers and i think this kind of lends to this notion that you brought up before which is that there is this gap in providing options and giving employees choices and then also not giving them you know or potentially them not having the right information to make those educated decisions around their their financial well-being and so i think it's probably worth mentioning that something that that hr professionals can really benefit from is outsourcing and the the financial literacy piece of total rewards, because the, I mean, we are n- certainly not experts in finances. We're not experts in mental health, but so often business really like pigeonholes HR people into being experts in all of these super, super important topics. And it's not necessarily the case. I mean, unless you really have an education in those backgrounds. So in this case, I think what's really interesting about what you and and Northstar are doing is that you're allowing HR professionals and other business leaders to Recognize that they don't have this expertise to be able to direct employees in the correct way or in in at least providing them the education to make the decision and that there is a way to give them all of the solutions, all of the answers so that they not only improve their financial literacy today and, and make smarter decisions today, but that they also then are invested in because that's really what these tools, when we, when businesses integrate with tools like this, it's an investment into the employee population. So do you have any like success stories from current customers that you can share about, you know, maybe the, even the employee engagement experiences or adaptation into the programs? Hey everyone, I wanted to take a quick break to tell you about the employee onboarding podcast by Process Street. If you care about crafting a magical experience for new employees and you love podcasts, you won't want to miss this. Join the Process Street team as they have conversations with people leaders. You will learn cutting edge best practices, industry secrets, and technology to wow every new employee that walks through your door. I recommend the episode where Process Street's CEO Vinay Patankar sat down with Zapier CEO Wade Foster to talk about how they've scaled employee onboarding in a five billion dollar remote first organization, and a conversation with Ben Eubanks discussing how to leverage AI and automation to improve the new employee experience will blow your mind. You can find the employee onboarding podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Go ahead and check it out, and don't forget, if you're interested in supercharging your employee onboarding or other HR processes, go ahead and give Process Street a try. You can sign up for a free account at www.process.st or check out their YouTube channel for a bunch of webinars and demos. This episode is brought to you by Namely. Running HR for a mid-sized business means you need software that can keep up with all you do so you can focus on strategy, culture, and keeping your employees happy. You need namely the all in one HR solution that makes life easier for your employees, your boss, and you. Namely's HR platform covers your essential HR and compliance needs in one place, whether you have 50 or 1,000 employees. Namely's all in one integrated platform is designed to be used by everyone every day. With a mobile app and elegant UI, Namely lets employees request PTO, appreciate peers, review their pay stubs, and even answer their own HR questions. Namely offers it all, from onboarding and payroll to time tracking benefits, employee engagement, and so much more. You'll finally have the time and data you need to drive the initiatives your company really cares about. I want you to simplify your HR processes with Namely, so I've arranged a special offer for my listeners. Right now, get a free month of unlimited access to Namely's all-in-one HR platform. Platform, but only when you go to namely.com slash human Remember, for your free month, go to namely.com slash humanHR.
1: Yeah, I mean you're exactly right on uh, that particular approach because uh, the the complexity of total rewards packages and the complexity of individuals uh, financial needs and questions and how much they rely on the employer have have, sh- have shifted so quickly and it's unreasonable to expect that um, people leaders, HR leaders uh, uh, can learn that fast as well, uh, and so the uh, the approach of finding incredible partners across different parts of your total rewards package um, to kind of extend your team um, is a is a really compelling approach um, for a number of different reasons. Um, I guess first and foremost, is we were talking about the kind of the expertise, right? People spend their entire careers understanding the nuances and details of the financial services industry or counseling and therapy. Um, or fertility benefits and and, and, uh, every single kind of category of of, uh, benefits. And uh, it just by definition, it's unreasonable to expect that HR professionals are specialists in every single one of these spaces. So um, even if assuming you have the expertise, though, let's say coincidentally that you you have a background in financial advice, um, employers are limited by uh, regulation liability that you can't give financial advice. Uh, you can't give recommendations, especially if you're an employer and right. you have, uh, you're a publicly traded company. The employer can't say, oh, yeah, you, sh- you should buy our stock. Right. Um, that, that's that, that's a, a, a massive legal liability. Um, and, and the last thing is the ability to scalably provide advice. Um, it's not just about having a call center of, of, of advisors. Um, that doesn't scale. It's not about hiring more people on your team. Um, those costs, uh, increase pretty, pretty significantly. So it's working with technology driven partners who can provide both that personalized advice, but do it, do it scalably. Um, so, uh, it's, it's, um, w- when you have all these pieces together, it's, it's not just about choosing the right benefits that support your particular employee population, whatever life stages that they're in. Um, but also providing them with the guidance to figure out how to best utilize, um, those particular benefits. Um, so, you're asking about um, any success stories, um, and uh, there there uh, uh, there are uh, a couple of different success stories that I can think of come top of mind. Um, one of them is more related to uh, tech companies that offer uh, equity compensation, but the other is related to um, the kind of family support that we were talking about before. Um, there was there was a an, an employee that we were working with who. Um, had no idea that they um, had a a tax liability um, because of of an equity event. They owed a ton of money in in taxes um, and they had no idea. Um, And we were able to cash that for them. Obviously it's never nice to find out that you owe a ton of money in taxes, um, but we actually saved them even more money um, in in penalties um, and helped them actually get ahead of that um, and figure out what they could do with the the, the after tax amount. So wow. it's kind of looking around the corner um, to, to make sure that um, you're you're not making any mistakes. And that's just not something that uh, an employer or an HR team can proactively do. Um, the, the The second example is related to f- supporting families. Um, I was talking to a, uh, a chief people officer and and, and they were uh, lamenting the fact that they offer incredible, benefits to support families but had really low utilization um, they were finding out that people were uh having a child when they apply for leave um and it, it was uh they were hoping that they were hoping that uh uh these employees would actually utilize these benefits that they were offering um but uh uh we really struggling to communicate that mm. um and Uh, but by working with, with us, they were able to proactively, um, uh, increase utilization of these, these, uh, kind of family support benefits because we were meeting those employees where they are, uh, rather than just kind of an email blast from, from HR. Um, one of the interesting things to to think about is how, um, people make life decisions throughout the year, rather than just one time a year during open enrollment when, when you send out, uh uh, your, your PDF booklet totally. of, of your new benefits. Um, and, and so it, it's, uh, it, we often see, uh, employees ask us questions about serving a family before they're, they're even pregnant. Uh, so, uh, they're asking, Hey, how should I be thinking about this? What's what the impact going to be on my personal finances? And we're able to take that one step further and recommend different ways that their employer is actually supporting them. And wow. they the, these employees appreciate their employers so much more um, because they're like, well, I didn't even know this benefit existed. Right. Uh, thank you. For, thank you for letting me know. Um, so it's kind of like this idea of financial plans being life plans. Um, oh. And when you have a financial plan or a life plan, uh, it's kind of a springboard uh, for not only making financial decisions, but... Uh, choosing and, and fully optimizing, fully using uh, all the benefits that you're getting from your employer.
0: Wow. Well, thank you for sharing those examples. I'm really, I'm really like letting that all marinate in my mind because my initial reaction is for that person who owes all of that, who owed all that money in taxes and penalties and whatever, um, that is such a gut wrenching feeling. I can only imagine. Like, I, the only comparison that I can make is when I realized how much student loan debt I had and how like horrifying and nauseating it was. But, you know, the, what I'm trying to make a distinction on is that that person. And I always say this on the podcast is that we are all whole human beings. We come to work as whole human beings, So we're not checking anything at the door. The things that we, you know, experience after work hours, stay with us during the workday. And to your point, you don't have life events just during open enrollment. I think that's hilarious. It's so true. And we, we almost sometimes forget that life happens constantly. And so I can only imagine the way that that realization financially for that one example that you provided how that person worked that day how did they feel during the day like were they able to be productive employees and so coming back to this this understanding that what north star is doing but even beyond that what financial wellness is in the workplace is employee experience. And when you can give people that peace of mind, because everyone, I think everyone can agree that the stress that's associated with any type of financial um, issues. Is like an incredible amount of stress. And so you don't just forget about that stress when you're at work. If anything, it's probably heightened because you know that you're at work to earn an income and you're like, how can I earn more? I need to earn more so that I can, you know, double down on this thing that's just hanging around my neck. And so I really appreciate those stories. And I'm sure that there will be many people listening who resonate with either or both. And, you know, this point on the benefits that are offered. You know, we see all the time EAP benefits underutilized, financial benefits underutilized, well-being benefits underutilized, even as companies are doing more and more and more to invest in their employees, especially now because of the difficult labor market. And so I can only express like this fervor around knowing exactly what your company offers and making sure you're taking advantage of that, whether it's tuition reimbursement, um, reimbursement for for student loans, like you mentioned before, or even if it's a, like a wellness reimbursement where you can go and you can get a massage for $50 and expense it on the company. So many companies are taking these initiatives to improve employee experiences. And so I just really love those stories. Again, as I mentioned three times now in the last two minutes. Um, but I guess to bring me to one of my next questions, what what have you seen as far as, you know, this labor market coming back to this, you know, understanding that it's super difficult to retain talent and it's super difficult to attract top talent at the same time because it's super competitive. How do financial benefits or, you know, these types of um, technologies, how do they actually work toward um Gaining a competitive advantage for a business, like how can HR and, and other business leaders leverage this not only to recruit but also to retain?
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's a it's a good summary of everything we've been talking about so far. Is that financial wellness? You mentioned the EAPs that exist out there for the for the longest time, or financial wellness has actually existed for a long time as as a as a perk. Um, but we want to redefine and create a more of expansive definition of financial wellness. Um, as as an engagement driver as something that uh, answers questions throughout the entire employee experience um, so so to the point of um, th- this labor market um, i think it's important to to kind of return to first principles and and ask what is it exactly that's um, causing all these stressors i mean of course it could be um, all the macro events it could be inflation um, okay. it, it could be um, covid uh, causing people to kind of rethink things, um, the ways in which all of these factors impact, not just the individual employee, but also their families. Um, and, and, uh, I think at the center of all of this, and we talk a lot about mental and emotional well being. if we're sitting at home, sitting at home with our kids, um, and, and who are screaming in our ears and, and they're also going crazy and you gotta empathize with their situation as well. Um, and, and, uh, uh, you start to rethink things, but, um, I think the ways that, uh, whether it, if it's a financial issue, um, and, and, uh, a financial advisor can help you figure out how to, um, shift your budget around in the face of inflation, or if, a, a financial wellness benefit can, uh, report back to the employer to say that, Hey, like you've gone from 30% to 70% of your employees are living paycheck to paycheck that's important data for you to figure out um, what your um, uh, inflation adjustment to, to salary should be that year mm. um, may, maybe it shouldn't be a standard three percent it, it should probably be higher than that um, and, and 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 the last piece is related to again that idea of being a springboard for all that benefits that you're offering maybe maybe, a fa- maybe some parents don't know that you offer backup childcare uh, giving back benefits um, or maybe they don't they're not aware that uh, you offer uh, uh, free counseling, uh, free mental health counseling. Um, so it's having somebody that you can talk to about not only the dollars and cents, but also the, the, the kind of emotional side of things, the, si- the situation that you're facing, um, and then figuring out a, a real actionable ways to, to solve those problems. Because um, I, I, would, I would like to think that for, for most people who are considering uh, quitting their jobs, it's for, it's that they still want, they still want to keep working there. It's just that something in their life in their lives have, have changed. Um, of course there are going to be some people who just, it's a wake up call yeah. and they realize that they hate their boss or, right. um, and those people should quit. Yeah, they um, should. but, uh, <laughs> but for, for a significant number of, of people, um, it's a really big change to go and search for a new job, right? So totally. it's not like, it's not like people want to quit their jobs. Um, so it's about supporting them holistically. Um, and of course, like the, 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 the people could refute that and say, oh, just pay me more. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, and and uh, of course, like it would be great if everybody could give everybody a raise. Um, but it, it's a combination of making sure that your inflation adjusted increase um, stays uh, on pace with record inflation, um, but also uh, making sure that they have the guidance to make the most out of what you're getting beyond even just the salary that you're offering.
0: Right. Super interesting. I think that this has been really enlightening, this entire conversation. I'm walking away with really a lot of things to think about, not only personally, but as a leader. um, I I think, you know, we all have an impact on the offerings in our businesses or organizations, whether profit, non-for-profit, private or public. And something that I've really been trying to challenge the listeners with is to really use the voices that we're all gifted with to challenge the status quo challenge what exists today in our organizations because you know one of the best things about innovation and technology is that if the foundation is there for this you know fundamental to have a culture focused on you know comprehensive and holistic benefits for employees then that means that the technology is just going to make executing and implementing it so much easier it doesn't solve the problem necessarily but it certainly closes many of the gaps especially again if there's a foundation within the culture of the organization and if not you have the opportunity and the power to influence that culture and i think that is one of the best parts about being an hr leader to be honest is that there is so much influence and that's why i i always say you know we have a lot of Um, we're tasked with, with carrying the right torch and making sure that we're really thinking about how we're advocating. I really appreciate all of the insights that you've shared with all of the listeners today. And I only have one other question for you. And then you are officially out of the hot seat, as I like to tell all the guests. So my last question for you is, is really a prediction question. What do you predict will come of financial literacy and well-being on the employee engagement front um, specifically in these next, let's say, two to five years?
1: Well, I, I think the more expanded definition that we've been talking about, about financial wellness, this is something that every single employer should be offering. I mean, we're in this world of perks fatigue I mean you, mm-hmm. you go to these conferences and if there's a if you, if you can think of a perk it probably exists and I've spoken to a lot of HR leaders who are like this year it's this and this year it's another <laughs> thing and I just can't keep up right yeah and uh, I think what I'm hearing as a reaction to that is a return to the foundation return to first principles of number one truly understanding what our people need And number two, focusing on the things that will have the biggest impact. And it's been really awesome to see how everything that we've been talking about on this podcast, uh, of how, uh, financial decisions exist throughout all of the employee experience and the ways that it can have such a big impact. I think that'll, I think, I think that will become the new default. It's not enough to just pay your employees a salary and send them that benefits booklet and call it a day. You you wouldn't uh, put together a piece of IKEA furniture without the instruction, or maybe some people, maybe some <laughs> people would. Um, but uh, you need to provide people with the instruction manual and the guidance to figure out how to make the best decisions for themselves. Um, so uh, I, I think financial wellness um, uh, needs to be something as default as something as even offering a retirement plan.
0: I love that. Thank you so much for your prediction. We'll come back in five years and see how it all pans out. But I totally think that you are onto something. And I just love that you have fueled us with so much knowledge and insight. And again, you are the very first financial expert and financially focused podcast guest on the podcast ever. So thank you for being the very first. And I hope that we're able to continue the conversation. I so appreciate you being on and I'd love to just allow you the opportunity to share with the listeners where they can learn more about you and Northstar, where they can connect.
1: Sure. Yeah. You can uh, find us at uh, northstarmoney.com and uh, feel free to email me. My email is uh, will at northstarmoney.com
0: amazing and everything will be linked in the show notes so no fear if you don't have a writing utensil or your phone is now we will make sure you get connected with Will. Will thank you so much for being the first ever financial guest on the podcast and I'm sure we will talk soon. Thank you so much.